This podcast is a product of the 4th and Inches Network. A podcast network designed to keep Husky fans up to date on their favorite programs around UW. Enjoy the show and go dogs. Go dogs. Go dogs. Hey Husky fans, welcome back to 4th and Inch of the Husky podcast from the 4th and Inches Network. I'm Trevor Mueller and with me as always is Jake Grant and we're like Goose and Maverick. <laughs> I don't know, Trev. <laughs> I went relevant, and, and I really went relevant. I knew you'd know this one, and I, I also I'm curious if you've seen the new one. I have not. No, uh, neither have I. I was gonna. I was just gonna let you gush over it for a while. No, no, I know it's one. it's surprising though because I love the old one and I've heard really good things about the new one. Right, just haven't gotten around to it. I don't know. Well, I guess by the end of this episode, we'll know who. Well, I guess at the end of the season. We'll figure out which one of us is Goose and which one of us is Maverick by our picks. I, I, <laughs> as far as the podcast goes, I think we all know who Maverick is. I'm not <laughs> going to take that. I'm going to let you roll with Maverick. I'll be, I'll die. Yeah. I'll die on this you're, hill. You're, you're, you're going to, you know, Spoiler hit the alert. button. And yeah, if you haven't <laughs> seen it from like 1985, guess what? <laughs> I got bad news for the Val Kilmer fans out there. No, that's not Val Kilmer, dude. It's not, Val, Kilmer, it? Val Kilmer's Iceman. My Goodness gracious. Okay, I'm Maverick. Uh, That's it. You lost, lost it. it. <laughs> you lost it. Okay, I'm Leonard Nimoy. <laughs> and you keep going down. <laughs> well, uh, Jake, it has been uh, quite a while since it's been you and me on the pod. We're on a mission uh, from God. Here we are. We're, we're back, the, baby. We're getting uh, the band back. 2022, again. COVID's over. No more weird stuff. Jim, the Jimmy Lake era has come and gone. Yeah. Uh, I think the last time I did a podcast with just you and me, uh, he had just gotten hired full time. Yeah, we were, we were really excited about it. So, um, uh, you know, obviously now we got K- Kalen DeBoer and uh, I'm going to let you take uh, this first shot. The starting quarterback has been named um, Michael Penix Jr. Jake, what do you got on him? Yeah, um, you know, I don't think you should be surprised at all. I think once he transferred in, I think it was kind of his job to lose. Um, he goes back to um, Indiana with Kalen DeBoer ties. Uh, DeBoer was, I think, his quarterback coach in, in Indiana or offensive coordinator. Offensive coordinator. Um, and really liked him. Uh, Penix had a really great first season under Kalen DeBoer. Um, wasn't turnover prone. And was just a really solid quarterback. Um, so when he transferred in, I don't think it was a shocker that Kalen decided to um, go the route of Michael Penix. And, uh, you know, I, I, the guy, if for Husky fans that are occasional Husky fans that don't really do the research into Husky football, um, it's easy to get caught up in the fact that he's a dual threat quarterback and to expect him to run a lot but that's not really um, his game. I wouldn't say Michael Penix is a a run first. He's not a Michael Vick type. Um, I would even go as far as to say, you know, like a Lamar Jackson, that's not who Michael Penix is. He has the ability to run and he will escape pressure, but his first option, his first three options are to sit in the pocket and use his elite caliber arm. And uh, you know, even with guys rushing in on him, he'll step up in the pocket, make the, make the right throw go through his progressions. And if all else fails, he, yeah, he'll escape if the, if the play is broken, but what you're going to really like from this guy is his, his throwing ability with on top of that, his scrambling ability. I would, I would associate him more, not a great association, but I would associate him more with like a Dylan Morris type of a, of a quarterback where he's looking to throw the ball 
first and even like a Jake Browning, right? And they have the ability to escape the pocket and get you a first down if it's absolutely necessary. Um, Penix has a better arm than both of the previous guys that I just mentioned. Um, we both hold Jake Browning in the highest of regard, right? But the guy did not have a cannon of an arm. Sure. Penix does, and he's got the accuracy go with it. So with that being said, I think Penix is going to do great things with meeting back up with Kalen DeBoer. Yeah, for sure. And I think that when you look at especially the, a, a one-year window, uh, I, he's absolutely the best option. I got to be – I was at one practice. Two-year window. Well, oh, yeah, he's got two years. Uh, but, you know, I, I'm, I'm wondering what happens after this. Uh, if he has a, a great season, right? Exactly. So, you know, when it when it comes to this, it's watching the three quarterbacks, um, you definitely saw things that each of them did better uh, than the others, especially when it came to uh, Sam Heward's deep ball uh, yeah. was was Phenomenal. really, really pretty to watch. Yeah. Um, not saying Penix doesn't have a great deep ball, though. He doesn't. Um, I ranked each uh, each of the kind of throws that I saw that the guys made, and um, Penix was either one or two in all of them. Yes. Uh, and, and most of them, he was one. Um, he's he, he he's a good runner, like you were talking about, uh, but I think that uh, he beats you with his legs when you force him to. Right. Um, he's he's going to be the guy that when they're in man coverage and it's deep down the field and the, the intermediate's open, he's going to go run for 20 yards mm-hmm. and, uh, uh, you know, move the ball when needed. Um, he makes really good decisions. He didn't throw a lot of interceptions from what I saw. And then what I read um, from other practice reports, okay. uh, whether that was from real dog or um, the Seattle times that he made a lot, you saw, you know, Demo, I think, still has a little issue when it comes to uh, down the sidelines. He threw some interceptions I saw going down that way. But even Sam Heward across the middle, there was some balls that probably shouldn't have been thrown where Penix, not that he didn't make zero, but he made less of those. So he's going to give you the best opportunity. Uh, and I, I think for the first time in a while, uh, the quarterback's going to be in good shape because of some of the really good skill p- players around him. Mm-hmm that are going to take some of the pressure off him by just being uh, so many different mismatch issues. Um, so, you know, the, I think one of the most uh, improved and most talented rooms right now is the receiver room. Um, so, you know, we know the top three, we know Roma Dunze, we know Jalen McMillan, we know Jalen Polk um, out of that group. And then the guys behind uh, who do you think is going to be uh, the guy that really steps up as maybe a number one or, or, or gets the most catches, most touchdowns, maybe your, your biggest playmaker, and then maybe a sleeper. Um, okay. So that's a loaded question. I, uh, I, I think the guy that you're probably going to see catch the most balls um, just because purely running route ability and speed quickness, quickness off the line, I would say it was probably Roman Dunze. I yeah. think that's probably your, your high catch guy. Yep. Uh, your biggest play guy to me, I, and I think most Husky fans uh, is probably Jalen McMillan. The guy just has upper echelon speed, especially, yeah. you know, maybe he doesn't have the get off the line speed that Rome does. But once he gets out in the open field, the dude is a gazelle. You yeah. can't you can't run him down. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, really a sleeper guy that I think uh, that maybe should probably be kept an eye on is maybe Junior Alexander. Ah, uh, Yep. 
Did I steal your pick? Yeah. Sorry. That's uh, all right. Sorry that I'm not sorry. <laughs> Uh, I, I really do think that he's going to come in being a transfer from Arizona State. He's got the ability to really take over as that. I mean, the kid's got great hands. He doesn't drop any balls. Um, I'd like to say, um, who's the other guy from the same school? Blanking on him. Oh, yeah, Jabez Tanay. Yeah, Jabez. Um, but I just don't think he's ready yet. And he's more of a slot guy anyways, yeah. in my opinion. Yep. So I think, I think junior is probably going to be the guy that comes in and maybe makes a splash for, you know, you know, kind of makes a name for himself early on in the season. Yeah. And I, you know, I'm going to agree with you on pretty much everything you just said when it comes to junior Alexander, especially um, he had a really, really good spring. Um, and he showed me stuff that, you know, uh, Jabez was uh, rated by two, four, seven as a little bit higher. They're both four-star guys. But, right. Uh, when they rank them, I think it was, it was today. And then Alexander and back one of the knocks on Alexander was, you know, what'd you say? Back to back. I think so. Kicks. Yeah. Um, uh, Alexander was, was not, you know, he could go down the sidelines, he could jump. Um, but some of the stuff across the middle, there was some question marks. And I thought in the spring game, he did a really, really good job of uh, getting in that intermediate 15 to 20 yard range uh, and getting open and, and, and got a lot of first downs and that really showed out. Uh, today, uh, he's super, super fast. Um, but I think that that position, uh, is taken right now. Uh, and, and that's, uh, no, it's, uh, um, Giles Jackson. Oh, um, that's right. there's that's, that would be my sleeper this year is, uh, Giles Jackson is really hard to guard. Um, he's, he's really fast. He gets open. He's really aggressive. Um, he seems to, uh, explode towards the ball when he's in the air. Uh, and he's, I watched him take it away from, uh, from a couple of cornerbacks. So uh, I think that while both Tanae and Alexander are uh, really solid uh, depth pieces, I think you're right that you're going to see a lot more Alexander uh, than Tanae this year. Well, and you made a really fascinating point, you know, with him having to get better through the middle of the field, that's how he's going to get playing time. Oh, right? 100%. You don't show up during the first game and be the deep threat guy right away you're right? not case and williams right yeah you got to take your lumps you got to go through the middle you got to earn your stripes you got to take those hits you got to make those catches and then you will transform into that guy right i mean that's what college football is you know so so for him to get better going through the middle is going to be uh vital for his success on this team oh yeah yeah and um i think he's shown that he's ready to take that step uh, i think that he's he's probably number five on the depth chart behind uh uh, probably Giles Jack, depending on the package, um, but him and Giles Jackson are probably four or five. That would be my uh, assumption. Sure. Um, tight ends, we, you know, it's it's kind of weird. You don't have uh, a cotton uh, yeah. up top. You have a younger one, uh, but you know, it looks like it's going to be Devin Culp's uh, job primarily to be the uh, the guy that is, is the reliable one. He's made some, you know, he he made some really good strides last year. Uh, the hands are, are going to be what makes or breaks him as that uh, next in line uh, of just fantastic tight ends that have come through Washington. Yeah, um, this, it's such a, a 180 from the team that we had last year, right, where we were so tight end dependent on getting down the field. Really, right. you know, it, it seemed like the receivers were kind of an afterthought, which is why I think um, Puka probably left to BYU originally. You know, I don't know if. I mean, obviously we heard stories about him being, you know, um, homesick and stuff like that, but I wouldn't you know, want to play John see, Donovan either. 
Well, yeah. <laughs> and, and he could see the writing on the wall, right? You right. know, with the quarterback arm that he had the last two years uh-huh. and and how much we were dependent on kind of Kate Otten. Um, you know, this team's going to be a complete 180, right? Uh, um, uh, Devin Culp hasn't been super reliable with his hands, like you said, as far as like Kate Otten was for the last three years. Um, Quentin Moore is going to be a guy that I think you're probably going to see be the deep vertical guy on this team. Mm -hmm. As far as tight ends go, he'll be the big splash play guy where I think you're right. You're kind of dependent on Devin Cope to maybe just get you a first down when, when everything else is broken down, you're not going to see a lot of targets to probably either guy. You're going to see mostly wide receiver stuff, especially in the offense that we're kind of running. So you know, it's going to be weird for Husky fans for the last five years. We've been so dependent on seeing tight ends make a lot of plays. You know, you go back as far as Will Disley and yep. and Drew Sample. Yep. I mean, really. Um, but now we're very wide receiver dependent on this team. And I, I, I think it's probably for a good reason. Yeah. And I think that you also got to look at Kalen DeBoer's offense and Ryan Grubb that they uh, not that they don't use the tight ends, but it's not such a pro style, heavy, right. heavy set mm-hmm. um, offense where you have two tight ends out there and uh, you know, John Donovan wanting two tight ends out there to run up the mill every time, but you know, you it's have, so um, you're, you're going to see, uh, you're going to see those two. You're going to see Jack West over as a blocking tight end mm-hmm. in some spots. Um, but I think one of the other parts that, um, will maybe take some of the pressure off of the tight ends to be the, the guy all the time, going back to those guys that you mentioned is that, uh, this scheme really likes to throw the ball to the to the running backs out of the backfield and this is where i see a big shakeup. where i'm i'm really curious to see the peterson lake holdovers and the new additions um via the transfer portal um because there's some guys that they got will nixon and wayne Mm -hmm. uh, to a to uh (laughs) i want to say this right to all a papa Thank you. Um, uh, that that I think are going to get a lot of the lion's share of the load early. And a guy that I started mentioning um, before camp started uh, is uh, where is his name? Sam Adams. Yeah, he's still he mine. A guy that has really not been healthy the entire time he's been at the University of Washington, but he fits the mold of exactly what kind of player they want. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you see from from the rest of them? Cam Williams. Uh, and Richard Newton, who have kind of been slated to be the, the guy for a while. You know, the problem with those guys are those guys are pr- fit perfectly into the Chris Peterson, Jimmy Lake offensive led teams, right? They are a traditional pro style running back where they just look to get the ball handed to them and uh, run, run power. O. you know, and um, like you said, uh, to to run this offense, you kind of need guys with good hands, which you stole my guy. So that I guess we're even now. Um, Sam Adams was that guy all through his high school career, right? For uh, um, Eastside Catholic, right? Uh, so many balls being thrown to him out of the backfield. Um, and so, and his hands are phenomenal too, which was kind of the big thing about him, right? He was kind of like a touch smaller Christian McCaffrey type, you know, where he could come out and he could make 10 catches a game. And, and, and it's a real problem for the defense. So, <clears throat> Honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if you start seeing Sam Adams later in the year kind of be that third down back for Kalen DeBoer, as long as he can get healthy, stay healthy, and shows his ability to catch the ball out of the backfield. And, you know, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we got to see him 
maybe not so much early in the year, but especially later in the year, you know, the more trust that he gains with the coaching staff is going to be better for him. Yeah. And DeBoer said that he's run uh, three before he feels more comfortable with two. So uh, I think that you'll see that change from game to game. Uh, you, you even saw that with uh, going back with Chris Peterson as well, after miles Gaskin left the program where there was more of a carousel matchup to matchup game to game. You'd see, you know, especially like Richard Newton, you'd see him go off for a hundred yards and then he wouldn't play for the next two games. Right. Uh, and whether that was, you know, Jimmy Lake put him in the doghouse, you know, uh, you hear rumors, but you don't know, you know, none of us really know what's going on behind the scenes. I think so, the, go, go on, sorry. Oh no. I mean that I, so I wonder if you're going to see something like that, where, uh, Sam Adams starts to get, uh, you know, more than five touches a game when the matchup presents itself. Yeah. And I think, uh, unfortunately, I think the guy that you might get lost in the shuffle is, um, is, uh, Cam Davis, you know, I, right. Cause I don't know if he brings anything to the table. That's not already there with the guys that are sitting in front of him, you know, unless barring injury, obviously, but uh, you know, the, the two transfers, I think probably yeah. hold the, hold the edge over him right now, as far as playing time goes. And, and I just don't see him working himself onto the field because of what he's done in practice. Right. And, uh, you know, that kind of leads into the offensive line. And kind of before we get to that, the thing about uh, what um, Rob uh, McKeefrey has done since he's been there, the, the new strength and conditioning coach, is most guys have lost weight. They've cut weight. Um, Cam Williams being one of them who's lost some weight, uh, looks a lot more trim and more explosive. Um, but here's the thing, man. The offensive line was huge last year. They were supposed yeah. to be one of the best, not only in the country, but the nation. Mm -hmm. And they really struggled. Mm -hmm. um, the offensive line, everybody has cut this year. Um, they've lost their center. Uh, and Corey Luciano looks like he's going to be uh, the starting center at the start of camp uh, uh, for game one. Um, but all the rest of and Jackson Kirkland won't play in the first game. Uh, but a lot of familiar faces along the line uh, and then insert a Roger Rosengarten, who's probably going to get the start. And then it's a lot of guys that you've heard of before, but they're going to be lighter, which hopefully means they're going to be more explosive and they're not going to be so slow when they're pulling. Well, and along with strength and conditioning, conditioning is agility, right? Yep. Uh, yep. You, you can have the biggest, strongest linemen in the world, but if they can't move, they can't get out of their own way, which is what I think you saw a lot of last year, right? Yeah, uh, you saw a lot of speed guys like a cave on Thibodeau kind of give these guys kind of headaches, you know, because if they get in on their chest, then it's trouble, you know, and, yeah. and those yeah. those speed edge rushers were kind of giving them fits last year. Um, so and especially with the offense that these guys are bringing to the program, it's going to be better for these guys to be a, a more to have more agility and to be able to move a little bit more side to side because it's kind of fitting the offense a little bit better than a power O offense. Right. Yeah, exactly. They're not road graders anymore too. They got to be a little more, they, they have to be able to move laterally like what you're talking about. Right. So, I mean, that they have a, they have a plan in place and they're working towards it. And I'm excited to see what comes with these guys, you know, I mean, hopefully, hopefully they cut some of the fat and kept all the, all the strength and, and they can just move, you know, side to side a little bit better. Who knows? Yeah, and I agree. And and time's gonna tell. Uh, you know, um, I, I think that if the offensive line takes a, a substantial step forward, you're just gonna see uh, a really, really solid offense uh, and an explosive one that DeBoer's had. You know, every stop in his career. Mm -hmm. 
Um, moving over to the defensive side of the ball, uh, defensive line is a really interesting spot because it's been a strength for a long, long time. Uh, and there's some guys on there that uh, it's really time for them to uh, mature to become big time players behind the starters. So Ulumu Ale looked like he had maybe a season ending knee injury. It's not that bad. He will be playing. Uh, it sounds like week one uh, and Tuli Latua Gasanoa. After that, you have uh, Kwape Hopa um, and the kid from East. Uh, one, of the, one of the best interviews we had, Voy Tanufi. Oh. Um, and then after that, you have guys like Jacob Bandis, um, who's shown flashes, but the, the consistency hasn't been there. Um, uh, and, and some other guys. Fatu yeah, Fatu Tutele that also have shown flashes, but the if those two can become reliable, that's a solid six-man rotation that keeps uh, a team fresh, very similarly to the 2016 team. So what do you think about the interior defensive linemen? You know, if, if Koi Pahopa could lose like 10 pounds, I, don't, I mean, I don't know. You know, uh, it seemed like he had the ability to – shove the center back into the quarterback's lap last lap last year right right uh and it just seemed uh, he was young uh maybe his, his conditioning just wasn't there but if he could be consistent that dude is an absolute menace yeah. for the running game yeah. i don't expect him to go out there and get you eight sacks in a season because that's just not who he is as a as a football player you know he's not a larry triplet type you know where he could he could go get after the quarterback but he is an absolute whole stuffer yeah. And that dude can absolutely stop any run play that you, that you want to run by himself in the middle. So if if he can if he can keep it together for an entire, you know, season and game, I I'm excited to see that kid play. Um but like you said, you know, there's guys like uh Jacob Bandis who have the the god-given ability just hasn't put it all together for an entire season and not even really for an entire game. But I, like you said, if we can get all six of those guys rotated and healthy and have the stamina to last for an entire game, they're going to be dangerous. Yeah. And you know what? And that just goes into, I think that's one of the really big, there's some really good strengths on this uh, defense and they're kind of different from what we've seen in the past. The edge rushers uh, look really, really good. And, and Kalen DeBoer said that that was his biggest surprise when he got here was the, uh, the ability of his edge uh, you know, his new newfound edge rushers. Uh, obviously, we have ZTF. Then um, Jeremiah Martin has taken a massive step forward. Saval Smalls has taken a massive step forward. Um, and there's one more I'm leaving out. Oh, uh, Braylon Trice. Um, that's one of the biggest strengths of this team uh, on either side of the ball. They get to the quarterback really, really well. Uh, they're explosive and there's four of them. So if that interior defensive line can hold up, um, the passing game is going to be uh, really, really ineffective for uh, opposing teams. Yeah, and the thing that, you know, as Husky fans that we've been waiting to see is the development of Svel Smalls, right? You know, he comes in as a five-star. Uh, Husky fans that follow recruiting, you know, we lost him. Yep. He was going to Oregon. He changed last minute. He came here his freshman year. He didn't wow everybody. You know, he was a freshman. I mean, obviously, he... If you look at Savelle Smalls, he's a freshman the field, in a COVID year. Yeah. And, but if you look at him on the football field, you're like, that dude is a gigantic human being, yeah. you know? And so for him to take those progression steps, 
like you would expect from a small, small type, right? Like a five-star kid coming in. Right. They don't always, they don't always end up great at first, but this guy has the body and the skill set to become great. And that's what I think you're going to start seeing from this kid. Yeah. And just the, the, the ability to be able to roll with those four on any given third down and have some of those, you know, uh, ZTF uh, and Jeremiah Martin, especially are four down are three down, um, edge rushers mm-hmm. uh they you know jeremiah martin does a very good job of setting the edge uh, on the weak side so uh, i think that's an absolute strength and then you move to a spot that's been much maligned over the last few years especially with bob gregory and uh being the head of the middle linebackers but there all of a sudden that room is deep mm-hmm. and DeBoer said you could see as many as five or six rotating in at a time you got a couple of um you got a couple of transfers and christopher mole uh, and Cam Bright, and then of course you have Carson Bruner. Um, Edifon Ulufushio is going to start uh, the year uh, injured, and we're not really sure uh, if it's going to be halfway through the year or more before they get him back. But Daniel Haimuli has made plays. Um, Alfonso Tupatala has made plays. Uh, so uh, another place that was a little thin, uh, and and really thanks to some of the guys they brought in, plus the emergence of Carson Bruner mm-hmm. um, has turned that, that position back into a strength. Yeah. I mean, really Cam Bright, the transfer out of pit is yeah. a, he's a tackling machine, right? I mean, if we want to talk about guys that kind of remind you of Edifon, the dude's yeah. always in the right place at the right time. That, yeah. that was his entire career at Pittsburgh yep. was yep. he's just a tackling machine. He's a ball hawk. He chases down the ball carrier. He's always in the middle of the play. Um, it's nice to have him here, especially because Edifon's out, like yeah. you said, for an extended period of time. And, uh, you know, a guy that I've been big on for a long time is hammer, man, you know, Daniel yeah. Heimley, you know, I, I, I remember watching him in high school and thinking this kid can absolutely lay the lumber and yeah. why you didn't get a chance last year over a guy that I have not been shy about criticizing big time, uh, in sermon. Um, I, with as bad as this defense was last year, especially that middle linebacker position, I would have really liked to seen Haimuli uh, get a little bit more playing time early. But also, you know, a guy that has kind of stopped Haimuli from getting playing time, like you mentioned, is is Carson Bruner. The guy's been an absolute stud as, as far as middle linebackers go. He kind of reminds me of um, Keyshawn in a way that he – complements the big tackle guy really well he's always in the middle of making a play he's always kind of been that second tier guy of you know uh edifon's kind of stopped the run and carson Bruner can kind of be that backup to play the short intermediate passing routes and he's done a really good job at that so this inside linebacker um class is is really shaping up to be a good one yeah and uh i guess to take a quick caveat and talk about the defense the way that they do things is they have two down linemen two two interior linemen so it's a four two uh it's like a four two five but it's more it's almost like a four three as well because of that husky position and the husky position is a large uh, a, a guy a, a large defensive back that is able to defend against the pass and the run uh, and you can kind of go either way with it. It could be viewed as another, uh, like another nickel corner. Um, but it's, uh, you know, it's a perfect position for somebody like Dominic Hampton, yeah. um, who's, who's, I mean, looking at him, he's one of the guys that you want to get off the bus first on an away game. Um, he's, he's, re- he's solid. He's big. Um, he's six two, two hundred twenty 220 pounds. So 
I mean, he, he's a light, you know, he almost looks like a linebacker, um, but he covers like a corner. And so I think, you know, having that, I think it's going to also help not having two very deep safeties to really help with that Husky position, being up on the line more, that's going to help uh, with the run defense. And I think that this position was almost made for Dominic Hampton. Yeah, absolutely. I, I You said it perfectly, right? I mean, the guy is a big physical guy. Um, he's the type of, if he's playing corner, he's the kind of guy that's going to lay the lumber. Um, he's not as fast as some of the corners that we have, you know, Agreed. he's not an Elijah Jackson type. Um, but at the end of the day, like you said, I mean, he's, he's built for this Husky role and it kind of just fell into his lap. Right. You know, it kind of, it, it, he was going to have a hard time seeing the field a lot this year. If we had stuck with Jimmy Lake and the defense that they were running with Bob Gregory, because he has the ability to get burned deep and, uh, for him to be able to take over this position, he, he, I just see him just taking it and rolling with it. Yeah. And then moving on, you know, the, the cornerback position is still even, you know, the, the, the fingerprints of the former staff is still here. There's still a lot of uh, talent in that room, but really DeBoer brought in the number one corner. He uh, Jordan Perryman from uh, the FCS level. Um, He's, he's definitely taken a leadership role in that room. He's a senior. This is his final year. Uh, really good cover guy, really big as well. Um, looks like an, you know, looks like he'll probably, you know, end up in the NFL as well. Uh, and then on the other side of him, Michelle Powell um, is getting the starting nod right now, but there's some other guys kind of nipping at his heels. Um, and, and one of the guys that has been mentioned quite a bit, he was one of the first guys to get a pick uh, in the 11 on 11 drills uh, was Devon Banks uh, and Devon Banks, one of those uh, guys that is also considered one of the fastest guys on the team. Yeah, and you know a guy that we've been really high on since he's walked on to campus is also Zakari. Yeah, you know I, I really like him a lot too. Um, I don't know how much playing time he's going to get this year, but uh, he t- he seems to be progressing pretty well as well. You know he's a really intelligent kid. The the game's going to come to him. Um, Elijah Jackson too. Yeah, you know he, he seems to be the guy that is really just kind of a natural cornerback. Um, but yeah, I mean it's it's like you said. I mean really it's kind of Perriman's and and Powell's job to kind of lose with uh with Banks being right on their heels yeah and you know Zachary Spears is one of those guys as well that uh you know just watching him I mean we have an affinity for him he's one of the uh first kiddos that we ended up kiddos he's not a kid anymore when we talked to him he was a high school kid um one of the first guys that we really did an in-depth analysis on and uh, just watching him progress as a really fundamentally sound cornerback. Uh, doesn't get a ton of balls thrown his way, even in practice, uh, because of his covering skills. Um, I, I think that you move to the safety position and you got some real talent there. Um, Asa Turner uh, has really taken a step forward from what we've seen. Uh, even the receivers coach, Coach Shepard, has talked a lot about him, uh, along with bringing back Alex Cook. Uh, and then um, Cam uh, uh, Cam Williams. Yeah, Cameron Williams. Uh, really makes a really solid three with Cameron Fabricianen in there as well um, and Julius Irving. Yeah, you know, watching uh, Jacob Asa Turner play the last couple of years, it almost seemed like he was a little bit gun shy yeah. um, at points, right? Where he's this big physical kid, you know, coming out of high school, he was, you know, Notre Dame wanted him as a linebacker. We wanted him as a corner. He chose us because he wanted to play corner. Um, so he's got all the, the size that he needs. It just seems like he's always played with a little bit of hesitation to his game. 
And uh, it really seems like this offseason he's really worked on that and it's kind of coming to fruition during during spring ball. So, um, you know, it, it, it I like seeing his progress and where he's at with his game. Um, and then, you know, we, we always talk about Julius Irvin. Um, is he ever going to see the field? I don't know. I don't know if we're ever going to see him. Um, just because, you know, Alex Cook has been reliable in, in the secondary as far as safety goes. He ended up becoming uh, like one of the better players on the defense last year as kind of a, a guy that was a big hitter as well. Yeah, you know, I man, I always fall back into Cam Williams' first couple of games where he played really well. Um, if I'm not mistaken, he made the game-winning pick against USC his freshman year. So, yeah, and he gave yeah, – yeah, exactly. He gave the, the horns – or not horns, but the – the piece down on him. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, I've always kind of wondered what it would be like if we threw him back in the spot. And I, I'd really like to see that this year a little bit more. It seemed I, like, I think it, you will. it seemed like the, 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 the coaching staff lost a lot of trust in him. Um, you know, they kind of threw him out there. He was a true freshman playing on a really good defensive team and he got exposed a couple of times and it seemed like that was kind of just it for him. And he had his chance and he didn't, he wasn't immaculate and he wasn't really touted as a high end prospect either. He, he kind of just worked his way onto the field because of how smart he was with the game. But, you know, I, I, I still think he's got it and I still think he's there and I'd like to see him get a lot more playing time. 100%. I think that those three are going to be uh, shifting in and out depending on the the situation that you're in. Cause I agree with you. I think Cam Williams is uh, extremely talented and I think yeah. that, um, you have those three back there. Alex Cook, very reliable. He's a turner making big strides. And then honestly, what you're saying is spot on. Um, I think Cam Williams getting a fresh start with a new defensive system, uh, with a new defensive eyes, I think is going to be really beneficial to him because I really think of, of all the, there's a few guys that I think got a raw deal when it came to um, the way that, and I'm going to put it, on the head coach. Cause he's the one that, you know, ends up making a lot of those decisions. Um, he really got in his doghouse and I, I'm not necessarily sure why, especially last year. Um, I, I just thought that he didn't get um, the opportunity that I think that uh, I thought that frankly he earned. I don't go, I didn't, I don't go to all the practices. I don't know, but uh, I thought that he was way too talented of a guy to, you know, really be, relegated to the bench yeah absolutely so uh really excited to see what he does this year um making that you know the, that safety position an absolute strength mm -hmm. so you know with all of this being said going over the talent that's on this roster there's some question marks in it and, you know unfortunately it's kind of in the trenches but i think outside of that and, and maybe a little bit at the quarterback not you know especially you know the thing that we didn't talk about with the quarterbacks Michael Penix uh, struggles to get through a season. Yeah. Um, so I think outside of that, though, I think there's a lot of really, really solid groups that are deep uh, around this program. And, and I'm uh, looking around the conference and seeing some of the question marks at some of the other schools, especially in the North. I, I feel like some of the, the power has really shifted down South for the first time in the Pac-12. Uh, that there's an opportunity for Washington to uh, get back to the top of the North. Yeah. You know, you look at this, you look at this roster top to bottom and you don't see a four and eight team, right. You know, you didn't I, see one last year, you just saw terrible coaching. Right. You know, but that's my point though. Right. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's not like, it's not like Kalen Borg just inherited a crap situation. He didn't come right. into a program 
that was 10 years of losing records and hadn't been to a bowl game and so forever, you know, right. he didn't walk he didn't, into, he didn't take it over from Tyrone Willingham. Right. Exactly. So, you know, the talent's still there. It's just yeah. putting it all together. And, and Kalen board seems to be like the type of guy that, you know, it it's players responding, you know, I I've talked to a couple of guys, um, one mostly just because I have a relationship with him. Um, but he, he says that, I mean, the players love him and he's, yeah. he's a great coach and they're, they're um, buying into what he's saying and which is a great start. You know, you got to have that, you know, especially as a new head coach. Um, and it didn't seem like that was the way that it worked with Jimmy Lake. Uh, so for it to, to be that way with Kalen DeBoer is, is really good. But like you said, um, you know, Penix is a question mark as far as what his health concerns go. I'd be interested. I wouldn't be interested. I'd like to see him stay healthy all season and really put a good run together. But if he did get hurt, who who they brought in? I mean, do you fall back on Dylan Morris because he's been there and he's tried and true, or do you do you go with the young kid that's got the the good the good ceiling, right? You know, you know, you know, Dylan Morris's ceiling isn't real high. We've seen it. Um, yeah, and Ryan Grubb said that as of right now, the way they're all pretty, they're all neck and neck. But if he had to go one, two, three, two would be Dylan Morris. Uh, my guess is if you see a change at quarterback, you're going to the lefty. And um, even if it costs you, you know, if if Michael Penix goes down uh, in a certain part of this schedule, I think that kind of like in Chris Peterson's first year, once they were not going to uh, compete for the North. Uh, he went youth movement. And that's when you saw, especially Dante Pettis start to play a lot more. So um, I could see him sacrificing and not necessarily sacrificing. He's going to still try to win the games, but I, I could see him maybe taking some lumps and start the, uh, the movement towards um, Sam Heward. You can't, the only reason I say that is because I think that Morris and Heward are close enough that, uh, putting Morris in isn't because you can't do that to your your seniors. You can't just give up. Right. Um, but I think that Sam Sam Heward will be able to win you some games. So um, I don't feel I, I I feel like if there's if there's an injury up top, um, it's not a lost season. Correct. Who's your offensive MVP? Your prediction. That's a really good question. Uh, I think that's going to be a little bit harder to to pinpoint than the defense, in my opinion. Um, goodness gracious, I'm probably gosh. Uh, we just talked about him. I'm going to predict that he stays healthy all year, and I'm going to predict that he's the best player on your offense. And I I predict Penix is going to be awesome. your offensive MVP, especially if he stays healthy. He he he's the quarterback. He has dual mentality in him um he can win you some games that you're not supposed to win with his talent and his skill set and if he stays healthy he's going to he won games at indiana right right i they, mean come on right i mean uh, that's a, that's a fantastic and that's it i mean and that's indiana in the big 10 right you know obviously they're going to lose to ohio state but i mean they indiana world state. rattled off some really good wins 100%. so you know, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't put it past him with some really good wide receivers at his at his at his belt to rattle off a couple good wins. Yep. Um, I'm uh, I think that although the receiver position is probably going to be the most uh, the most important position, uh, I think that the way that this offense works, where the ball is going to be spread around a lot, isn't going to give 
uh, anybody necessarily enough numbers to be considered the most valuable player, like, like a John Ross was in 2016. Right. Um, so I'm actually, I'm, I'm going to go, I think Devin, if Devin Culp has a, no. a, is able to move the sticks uh, and is able to make some big plays down the middle of the field, I think he's going to be uh, the most important player on this roster to keep the chains moving. The most important? <clears throat> I mean, hey, you know, die on your own. I'm going to go with it. Uh, I, the, my dark horse is, is Giles Jackson. I think Giles Jackson might have a monster here as well. Okay. But uh, I think an MVP. I, yes. Okay. I'm, I'm, I think that if Devin Culp, uh, he's, he's, he's dropped weight. If his hands are good, um, he's going to be so reliable and such a safety blanket that um, he's, he's, and, and he's going to allow uh, even better mismatches for your uh, plethora of receivers. Okay. You don't like that pick. And I kind of like, no, like no, I, I, I think what would be more important is if Quentin Moore had a really breakout season, that'd be yeah. fantastic. But you know, Hey, like I said, die on your mountain. Here I go. Mount, <laughs> Mount Colt. Yeah. Defensively. Uh, this one also to me is pretty. I, it's a new guy. It's a transfer. Uh, Cam Bright, man. Um, especially with uh, Edifon out early in the season. If Cam Bright can just pick up where Edifon left off and just be a tackling machine. Um, obviously, I'd like to not see him make every tackle like Edifon had to, right? You know, I'd like the defensive line do their job and and stuff some runs. But, uh, you know, with it being a first-year defensive coordinator, I think you're going to rely a lot on your inside linebackers. So I think Cam Bright's probably going to be the guy that's going to be your defensive MVP all season. I went so blah with my answers. I took the quarterback and the inside linebacker. I am the Russell Wilson of fourth and inches. <laughs> Let's ride. <laughs> Fourth and inches country. Let's ride. <laughs> Let's ride. <laughs> um, I I'm gonna go. Uh, I was I, I'm gonna go Dominic Campton because I think if he's able to revolutionize that position and really be uh, uh, everything when it comes to uh, run defense and uh, against the pass. Uh, if, if he thrives, I think this defense is going to be really scary. I think that's a good pick, Trev. Way to go. Proud <laughs> of you. you. <laughs> All right. Prediction time. We're in the prediction business, baby. We're going to go down the list. You're going to say your answer. I'm going to say mine. We're going to see where we're at at the end of the year. Are we just saying win loss? Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. If you want to give, if you want to give a little bit of caveat to it, I'm here for it. So okay. Um, uh, Kent state win. Yep. I'm, I'm with you on that. Um, Portland state win. Michigan no, let's, state. And let's not be mistaken. We're one year removed from losing to Montana. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, this isn't, we, we made lots of jokes about the last time Washington lost to Montana. They were like the rain Dodgers or something like that. They weren't even the Huskies yet. Right. That, <laughs> and once every century Montana gets you. Yep. That one hurt this this so let's not look past them yep this coaching staff is is very competent um he has he had like as many national championships as he did losses at the nai level (laughs) so i think we're going to be solid there michigan state comes to town loss interesting i i'm going to go win because i think michigan you're such a homer shut up i i'm (laughs) i'm not picking them to go 12 and 0 chill out but i think that michigan state uh, they lost some of their big players. One of them now plays for the Seahawks. Yeah. Um, and there's some question marks around that program. Uh, and I think that if 
if Mel Tucker, if Mel Tucker wins this game, Michigan state's going to be a, a real player in the big 10. I don't think they're going to. And I think Washington's in a better position right now. Okay. Mm. Stanford. Win. Yep. Stan, I think Stanford's going to be really bad. I think, I think now if, if, if Washington does end up beating Michigan state, I change that answer to a loss. Whoa. Yeah. Because, because that's going to be such a Michigan state is known for playing in the trenches, running the football. This team's going to be tired. They don't get a week off. It's going to be back to backs. And I think, I think Stanford would probably come in with the same mindset because that's what they do. Brian Shaw comes in with the, we're going to pound the heck out of you guys, especially after just taking a beating from Michigan state and being tired and beat up that I would see us losing that game. But um, for my sake, I'm going to go win. <laughs> so uh, a couple of maybe some key points that uh, are in your favor and my favor, Stanford coming off a buy that changes a little bit of the dynamic. Yeah. The yeah. I, Brian, is, this is so good at that. This Stanford defense is terrible. Yeah, they were when we were supposed to be in the last year, two years too. <laughs> we well, uh, we know. Yeah, we were there. I, I remember. <laughs> <laughs> Please don't bring that up at UCLA. Uh, where am I at here? Uh, win. Okay, I have that as a loss. Okay. At Arizona State. Loss. You have that as a loss. I have that as a win. Um, I'm I'm on the fence on it. I'm on the fence on UCLA and Arizona State. Yeah, I am. Well, I mean, I am too. Uh, I think UCLA could be pretty good. Um, <laughs> I don't think. I think you. I think Arizona State's take, taking a step back, but I don't love Washington and Tempe. So no, ever, ever. I'm. You know what? You're right. I'm going to take a loss there too. Um, until they can prove to me again and again that they can win in Tempe, uh, I'm going to go against it. Uh, then uh, Arizona travels to Washington. Win. That's a win for me as well. They're, they're still broken. Yeah. I mean, they had a really good recruiting class. Jaden Delora is down there now. He's an upgrade at quarterback, but they're still not prepared. They're not ready to compete at the Pac-12 level consistently. I, I, I think I have them winning like three games. And I think it's weird that Jaden Delora left Wazoo for there. It seems think, like a step back. I think it is too, but I think that he knew he if if Cam Ward was coming, he was going to lose his job. Right. Um, at Cal, win. Yep. By week, then you go. Uh, you have uh, Oregon State at home. Win. Yep. Then you travel to. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> We're gonna lose to Oregon. Okay. Uh, I refuse to say that. Uh, I, I don't care. I know. Um, that's, that's the Homer in you, though. That's the but, Homer uh, in me. I, I don't know if I trust uh, that coaching staff down there. It's very unproven. Um, uh, there's question marks around their offensive coordinator. Uh, there's question there. I mean, they still haven't named a starting quarterback yet. Of course, it's going to be Bonex. What Bonex is going to show up? Um, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not buying Oregon. Um, the, the, the good Bonex is going to show up uh, in Oregon against, against Washington. Washington. Yeah, that's, that's your Seattle defeatist attitude. <laughs> well, I mean, it's it's the rivalry game, right? You know, in in our, in our eyes, right? 
Sure. Um, and every time you go down to Oregon, it, it, it ramps up. I mean, we've been there a couple of times, right? It, yeah. it yep. ramps up, it gets rowdy. It yeah. get those, those, they do not want to lose to each other. No. So that you're going to see the good bow next. Uh, Colorado comes to town. Win. And then uh, the Apple Cup in Pullman. Yeah, I have two losses to two rivalry schools. You have a loss there as well? I do. <sighs> that one's tough. That one, I think, was the toughest game for me to decide whether they were going to win or lose. But the fact that with, and albeit it's a different coaching staff, but with the same pretty much. Still without an air, a couple, it's an air raid system again. But with the same roster we had last year, without a couple of transfers, we got absolutely manhandled at home. So that was a broken it, team. It was a broken team, but it, I, I really have a hard time picking them to come back by thirty points and win that game, especially in Pullman, where they they're coming off of a big. I mean, the biggest win that those fans have seen in a long time. They're going to be extra pumped up because now they think they own us. So I, it's going to, it's tough. It's going to be tough to win that game. Here, here's my problem with WSU is there's a lot of new faces. They have a guy that played at a college called incarnate word, <laughs> um, which uh, I knew it doesn't exist. exist. <laughs> I, I knew it. Ex- I think they made an NCAA tournament one year. So I've heard of them. Uh, I, I've learned that they're in Texas uh, and they had a good quarterback last year. So end of, and their OC is now at WSU. Right. So that's all I know about them. Um, lots of turnover. A lot of the names that you've seen at WSU over the past 10 years are gone. Uh, there's no Pelours. Yeah. Jahad Woods is gone. Uh, some of the guys in the secondary have moved on. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if, Washington state is competing for the North at the end of the year. I also wouldn't be surprised if the they wheels competing Colorado, right? Exactly. For, for bottom of the pack. So uh, I have two losses right now. Um, Gosh, you're going to have them only be a two loss team. No, I'm going to say a loss there as well until uh, until they figure it out. Uh, I think ten, nine and th- ten and two is tough for ten and two is very tough. Um, nine and three feels right. I don't know if I picked the right losses or not. I probably <laughs> didn't, but uh, I, uh, the, uh, I refuse to ha- uh, predict them to lose to Oregon ever. Uh, so I will continue to not do that. Um, but th- there needs to be some redemption around Washington state because that was, you're going to have a totally different team. I really trust Kalen DeBoer. I'm probably leaning more towards a win, even after I've written L in pen on my paper. So it's staying as an L, but uh, I'm, I'm not bought. I'm not, I'm not all in on the Cougs. So, so let me get this right. You have them beating Michigan state, yes. losing to Wazoo. <laughs> okay. No, it's a win. <laughs> I can't, I can't do that. I can't do that. I can play like a fiddle, Trev. <laughs> their losses, they're, they're going to go on a, a two game losing streak uh, and then um, come out. And I, have, I, I have, I think they're going to be nine and three. I, 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 I don't know. I have them at eight and four. Eight and four. And that's not, nine and three, eight and four, I think is um, probably right around where they're going to be. 10 and two, 10 and two is, is probably 
hey, on the top end? You know, uh, honestly, if we went eight and four and went to the Holiday Bowl, especially after the season that we had last year, I'm stoked. You feel real good about and it. We're go- and then we're going to San Diego. Yeah. Hey. You know, so, I mean, I'd be happy as a clam. Yeah. And, and I think, I, honestly, I think the eight and four, 10 and two is probably the, the, the yeah, I, they can go seven and five, they can go six and six. But I think realistically, I think eight and four to 10 and two is probably uh, right around where they're going to be. And again, uh, I, I'd go a seven win team to a nine win team, I think is right in there. Yeah. I, I seem to be one less win than you. Right. Yeah. That's, and, and I mean, that shows up on our, on our board here. So hopefully they're, we're both wrong and they go 12 and 0 and um, we're looking at a college football playoff berth and, you know, seeing probably who do you like in the South? This I didn't prepare you for this. You like Utah, USC, UCLA, the field. Man, uh, I'm probably USC. Uh, I have a hard time picking them just because of recent history, but, uh, you know, new head coaching hire. Um, they, that they're always stacked full of talent. They look good. They, they looked good ish at the end of last season. So yeah. So probably, probably USC. I mean, who do you got? Uh, until I think if Cam Rising were to play all year, I think Utah would have gone to the playoff. Yeah. Um, because their two losses were early when he was uh, reportedly uh, uh, rumors are that he was hurt, yeah. and that's why he didn't start the year. Right. So uh, and and they were just an absolute juggernaut, except for Oregon State, uh, which was a silly loss. Well, they but... lost to Oregon in the Pac-12 championship game too. No. Oh, was it the other way around? They, they beat they, Oregon they, to they, keep them from the playoff. They beat Oregon twice. And big that's time. right, they throttled them both times. Big, yeah, time. yeah, but somehow they, you know, they they fall to, to Oregon State, which I kind of thought that was going to be a turning point for Oregon State. And you know, they end up going seven and six, and they'll be right in the middle of the north. I think that you're still looking at Oregon, Washington at the top, then you have kind of an amoeba after that. And I really think that Stanford's going to be the bottom of the, of the north, yeah. And I, I wouldn't be surprised to see Cal there too right you know I don't, I don't i don't i just don't have any faith in cal football to to do anything better than a, a six-one season to be honest yeah and that's what's interesting about uh what sucks honestly if you're a fan of cal and you're a fan of arizona state that 2020 season was shaping up cal with uh chase garbers they should have mm-hmm. been really really good um they could uh, you you wouldn't have laughed at them possibly competing getting first or second in the north and then right. arizona state that that year they got canceled uh that looked like an uh, just a juggernaut of a team with brendan yeah. Ayuk at, at, at the top mm-hmm. um and unfortunately for both of those programs i think they've been affected most adversely affected by some of the, the pac-12 the decisions um oh. around not playing that season while others did um and then obviously compounded with what's happened at Arizona state uh, in the wake of some of their uh, recruiting violations. Mm-hmm. So yeah. you have USC uh, up top. I have Utah up top. I think it's clearly the top three in the South are USC, Utah, UCLA. And it's pretty clear after that, that Arizona state is going to take a step back and then Colorado and Arizona might also be dreadful again. Yeah. The North yeah. And then the North we've had already covered. So um, top two teams go. It doesn't matter what conference they're in. 
or what division they're in. So um, who do you think uh, ends up in the Pac-12 championship? Oregon USC. Yeah. Um, I, I think, I think it's going to be all South, which is really weird to say. Um, I think it'll be, I think it'll be USC and Utah um, in the championship game. Hmm. The power. I mean, power I could, yeah. I mean, I could see both, right. I could see, I could see the South. I don't think I could see two North teams. I don't either. But the a, only, a the only thing that would, I mean, it would have to be a miracle season for both brand new coaching staffs at Washington and Oregon. Uh, and the fact that they don't have to play USC and Utah. What you, yeah. What you're really hoping for is war of attrition down South. You know, you're hoping that, um, yeah, they, they kind of round Robin beat each other up a little yeah, bit. Yeah, exactly. You know, and then they each fall to a, a lesser school, you know, yeah. so that way, that way, maybe, you know, if we did pull off a Trev and go 10 and two, then, you know, with what, I think was one team being a lot. No, you didn't have them losing to Michigan State. So two, if they went ten and two, you'd have to hope that USC, Utah, and uh, who was your other school? UCLA. UCLA lost three games in the Pac-12. That seems tough. That does seem tough with with who they have. Of course, you know Oregon State beat both USC and Utah last year. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Um, yeah. You know, yeah, it's the Pac-12, right? It's it's wild, and that's I I I don't care. I like this conference. It's fun. It's fun to watch these games because you don't really know what's going to happen, right? So, well, we'll be back um, uh, after the well, we'll be back next week to kind of get into um, the Kent State really game, right? really Kent State uh, previewing Kent State, getting ready for the season. Um, Kayla Olin will be back, and um, the three headed monster will be at it. For Trevor Mueller and Jake Grant, go dogs. Go dogs.